0: Hey everybody, it's Brian, Worship Arts Minister at Rockingham Christian Church, and I'm thrilled to say that we are starting the Summer Playlist Series today. We're glad to have you with us uh, for this new series. Hey, we wanted to give you a little heads up that tomorrow at 6 p.m., keep an eye on our Facebook Live and our YouTube Live, and we will be announcing our re-entry plan um, coming up soon, so keep an eye out for that, and you'll be able to know what's going on with RCC in the coming weeks. Uh, There's one thing that I think this uh, period of being away from each other has done in my life, and that's made me kind of question, you know, where's my faith? What do I put my faith in? And um, my wife and I have been married 17 years, this June 14th, today for that matter. And... um, We've been together for about three years before that, so this September will be 20 years that we've been together. And of course, over a relationship that long, uh, you kind of have some things that you do a lot of, like buy and sell cars, uh, appliances, that kind of thing. And when it comes to cars for us, of course, just like everybody else, you, you buy a car, you use it for a while, and you sell it. And we started to notice this interesting trend happening that shortly after we'd put a new set of tires on a car, we'd have to replace it. Like it would start leaking oil, or making a weird noise, uh, or something would break on it, and and we wouldn't want to have to pay to do that. And so we lovingly started calling this the new tire curse. And uh, we thought for sure, now we've got two really solid vehicles, uh, this probably isn't going to be a thing. Well, June 8th, Monday, uh, we put new tires on my car. And the next day, Rachel was driving her car, and the service engine light went on, and it started running like crazy. And we thought, what are the chances that this would happen again? New tire curse, right? What do we have faith in? I have quite a bit of faith I have quite a bit of faith that um, I go out to my car and I turn the key and it's going to run, right? I think probably most of us do have that faith. We have a faith in a lot of things. And then 2020 happened, right? And a lot of things that we had faith in just kind of melted away. What in the world? What could be going on, right? Um, Just as in our case, could the new tire curse still be happening? I can say now the car's acting normal. I don't know why, but everything's fine now. But my guess is that you had things that you really wanted to do. You had things that you had faith in uh, that have just melted away the last three or four months. A lot of you, I know, are baseball fanatics. Uh, Ben's one of them. And a lot of you would have already been down to Fenway a bunch of times this season, but it was canceled, right? A lot of you might have had a really cool vacation planned. You were going to fly to a cool destination and enjoy this. You saved up for it. You'd planned for it. The flight was canceled, which wouldn't matter anyway because the hotel on the other end was shut down. There were a lot of things that we took for granted, I think, up until this. Like, you just want to go get groceries because you got to eat supper tonight, but you got to wear a mask, you got to stand in line, outside, in the rain, because the store's already full. We have faith that these things are just going to happen, and then all of a sudden, they stopped. They quit happening. And I think all of us, in some ways, can say 2020's been a big kick in the britches, as we say in the Midwest, I suppose. Kick in the pants here in New England. The 2020 has taught us that a lot of the things that we put faith in... um, sometimes just really don't pan out. And so the question that I'd like us to answer today is where, where's your faith? Where is your faith? Now I think there's two answers to this question. There's probably the easy answer for most folks. Um, If you've been in church for a long time, if you chose to follow Jesus a long time ago, the easy answer is Jesus, right? That's, That's what you would expect me to say. The easy answer is Jesus. But I think there's the easy answer, and if we spend time on it, a real answer. And for me, the real answer, when I'm not actually trusting in Jesus, um, is myself. And it's in my ability to do things, uh, to accomplish tasks, and to get my job done well and provide for my family. That's probably where my real faith is, not in Jesus But standing here in a church building that soon you'll have an opportunity to come to as well, um, talking about Jesus, reading from the Bible, you wouldn't expect someone to say that, right? That, That my real answer isn't always Jesus that I have faith in. But I wasn't hired to lie to you. I wasn't hired um, to, to be fake. I was hired to be real and hopefully give you experiences that allow you to engage with Jesus in, in new and um, meaningful ways, sometimes in song, sometimes like this with a message. And so I ask again today, where is your faith? We had complete liberty in choosing what we wanted to preach about uh, for this series. And as we went through... Um, As we went through these last three to four months, this this scripture just kind of kept coming up um, in my heart and in my mind, Um, and I think that this season of staying home and functioning digitally, uh, God gave me this verse, and he said, hey, pay attention to Mark 9, 14 through 29, and I'd like to read that together. But just to unpack a little bit before this, to set up the story, right before this, Jesus, James, John, and Peter, who were kind of like the the tightest of the disciples, they all went up on this high mountain. Jesus started floating and glowing and turned into this heavenly version of himself, and then boom, two people showed up next to him, and somehow they knew it was Moses and Elijah. And I don't know how, because I'm pretty sure there weren't Old Testament prophets trading cards in the first century. uh, But somehow they knew this is Moses and this is Elijah. So they literally just had a mountaintop experience. This is a crazy experience, right? They come down from the mountain. Here's where we land in Mark 9, uh, 15 through 29. So let's read together. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not burn. You unbelieving generation, Jesus said, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood he answered, it has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my belief, unbelief. Indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. That's a big story, right? There's a lot, there's a lot in that passage, and we're not going to go word by word um, and cover everything that's in there, but I think that what Jesus was asking those folks, what he's asking me through this passage, what he's asking you through this passage is, where is your faith? And it's easy to read the story and move along to the next part of the book of Mark. But Jesus thought it important enough to include it in his ministry, and Mark thought it important enough to include it in his recounting of Jesus' ministry. So I think there are a few critical pieces that jump out um, to this in the story. And the first can be found in those opening verses. So let's just look at those again. Mark 9, 15 and 16. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd with them, around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. So when Jesus comes down off the mountain and comes to them, he sees this crazy crowd of people. and, And we see Two groups uh, kind of right away um, that are addressed. The first are the disciples. And, and let me tell you, these are the people who Jesus called, but they were just regular, ordinary, first century Jews um, that were asked to come with Jesus uh, to minister with him. And they were pretty popular, right? We see uh, back in Mark 6 12 and 13. Uh, We read this, they went out and they preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed the sick people with oil and healed them. So like, they've been doing this. They've been doing this kind of thing that they're now confronted with for a little while and doing it successfully. And people know that they exist. People know Jesus are there and that they can be healed. And these people with him can also help. And you get a bit of a big head after a while when you have success and you start thinking somehow that power must be coming from in me. And we quit relying on the fact that Jesus Christ was the one doing the work that, that the Holy spirit through them were doing these miracles and the disciples were brought back to earth here in this passage and they realized, wow, it's not about our ability. Jesus said, you gotta, you gotta lean on God for this. So it wasn't about them. The disciples trusted in their ability, and that was not enough. The second group we run into is the teachers of the law. And in other versions of the Bible, um, they're called scribes. So these, these are the first century superheroes of, of Judaism, so to speak. Uh, they were given uh, the responsibility of copying and teaching and correcting people. If you had a spiritual question in the first century, you'd go to them and ask them. And they had knowledge of not only biblical history, but, but Jewish history, they knew what had happened with the movement of God and his people over the years. And so they're in engaging with these disciples and with this father and son, and all of the knowledge and all of the experience they had were not enough. It wasn't it. The disciples had their, what they thought was their ability, and that failed them. And the teachers of the law had their knowledge, and that failed them. They could not help this father in the situation. And what we learn from the disciples and the teachers of the law is that faith cannot be grounded in ourselves. Faith cannot be grounded in ourselves, in our ability, in our knowledge, in anything we can do. That's not where faith is, because eventually it, it will fail as it did in the situation. They were tasked with knowing the most and doing the most in that in that situation and, and they, they couldn't. And I think a lot of times uh, this gives us an opportunity to work on kind of the, the inner self and, and the health when everything else has been taken away. But when we don't have income to lean on and we don't have a job to lean on and we don't have health and activities, what do we do? Oftentimes we just turn to a distraction. And for probably a lot of us, the last maybe three or four months, it's been technology. And we've spent probably more than a healthy amount of time on social media, um, watching videos on YouTube. Um, there's, there's a lot of distractions. Some have turned to alcohol or other substances or, or abusive practices. Because working on the inner life is difficult. Soul work means you have to slow down and turn those other things off or away. I think one thing for me recently um, during this period has been encouraging, and that's been our staff going through um, a John Ortberg book. Um, And in caring for the soul, um, he he sought out he sought out the leadership the f- the spiritual fathership so to speak from Dallas Willard who was uh, an amazing professor and Christian thinker and so this book talks about how John Ortberg the younger Christian leader uh, the educated mover in Christianity went and sought out uh, Dallas Willard for wisdom and for spiritual direction. And what we see in here is that Dallas had the degrees, he had the job, and he had the potential lucrative career uh, for a lot of influence. And and by all means, he was very influential in his life. But John was fresh out of uh, divinity school, out of seminary, and and he wanted a big church. And right at that moment when they met, he was in a small church, he was a freshly uh, graduated uh, student, well, meanwhile, Dallas had everything that probably John wanted, but he lived in this small, old, slightly run down home in, in Box Canyon that had a 30-year-old air conditioner that when it turned on, you couldn't have a conversation. And John finally, you know, kind of as they had been meeting, did get into this large position in a megachurch as a as a lead pastor. And when they would get together John would start to realize this chasm between where his soul was and where he wanted his soul to be. That there was, there was a shallowness, that there was a superficiality to his soul that Dallas Willard had. And every time they would meet, he would realize, wow, I'm not where I want to be. So I think faith is being assured at a deep level, right, faith is being assured at a deep level that our, our fate ultimately isn't in our current situation, but it's in Jesus. Right? Faith is being assured at a deep level that our fate ultimately isn't in our current situation, but in Jesus. Ortberg writes this um, kind of after they had been meeting. The salvation of your soul is not just about where you go when you die. The word salvation means healing or deliverance at the deepest level of who we are in the care of God through the presence of Jesus. Sooner or later, your world will fall apart. What will matter then is the soul that you have constructed. To sit in that for a moment. Sooner or later, my world, your world, is gonna fall apart, and what you might say to yourself when you hear that is, yeah, my world has fallen apart. Maybe the last three months, maybe at some other point. Or what you might be saying is, no, my world is currently falling apart. I don't know what to have faith in. And what Jesus ultimately has to offer is better than anything we can offer ourselves. It just is. What Jesus has to offer is better than what I can bring to the table and offer. And I think this revelation offered by Ortberg can help us see clearly where Jesus was and where how he reacted, because he's frustrated with the situation. He truly was. And in Mark 9, 21, we read, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered it has often thrown him into a, a fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on him, right? This dude is broken. This guy is, is worn out and lost. And maybe you're there, right? Maybe, maybe you've been dealing with a long-term illness or a family member with a long-term illness or a long-term addiction, um, and, and it just, you're worn out, maybe you've been in a, a long term abusive relationship and and these last three months or four months have been horrible, and you're at the end you're worn out you're you've you've got nothing left and maybe right now you just want to quit that's where this father was in the situation that's where this father was, and he just said i i can't god I can't do this anymore Jesus please help. And Jesus says, well, if, if you can, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. See, Jesus cannot make you have faith. He cannot make me have faith. This is a question that goes back to the Garden of Eden, right? We all have the choice to believe or not to believe and have faith. And then he moves in our life through that. And so this father comes back immediately. Mark 9, 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. This is the cry of the broken soul, and it might be a cry that you're making right now. It's a a prayer that I've been saying over the last few months. God, I do believe, help me in my unbelief. I don't have answers to all your questions or probably even most of your questions. But what I do know is that Jesus always comes to us when we admit our weakness and ask him to help us. And I don't know what that looks like in your life, but, but I think we've all got room for a next step. And, and at RCC, we do exist to invite people to journey with Jesus. And, and that starts with one step. And kind of the most difficult part of that journey is this inward peace, this peace of knowing there's something deeper missing from our lives because we can be very busy about everything else. But the last four months, we've had to stop, right? And when all of that stops, what do we do? As Ruth Haley Barton says, it's like scooping a, a jar, a clear jar full of river water and holding it up and seeing all the sediment in it. But if you sit it long enough on a table, you can lift it up and look straight through the water because everything that clouded that water has fallen to the bottom. And maybe everything that's clouded your life has now fallen to the bottom of your proverbial jar. And you can see clearly now the deficit, as I do, in my soul for relationship with God. And the inward journey just looks like a step. It's just a step of faith. And whatever that is for you in this time, I just ask, where is your faith? When everything else has been taken away from you, where is your faith? When everything else has let you down, where is your faith? You see, where do you depend really determines how you go through a situation like this. And dependency, dependency is one of our values. Right? Not relying on our own strength, but relying on Jesus. It's not about who we are. It's about who we are becoming. Because eventually, as Ortberg says, it all falls apart. A family member lets us down. Our job lets us down. Our health lets us down. And I don't mean to be a downer, but the cool thing is, when that happens and you're plugged into Jesus... You, you get to rely on his strength and not the strength of yourself. And so right now, I'm going to have our online hosts go ahead and share um, the, the Connect moment. If you're in church online, I'm going to have our Facebook host share the, uh, the Connect link. And I would love for you to go right now to that link. And I don't know what your step is. Maybe you just started attending RCC uh, for the first time over this last few weeks and that's awesome. We're glad that you're with us and maybe you wanna learn a little bit more. Go ahead and click that next step. Learn a little bit more about us. Maybe it's a, it's a virtual starting point class. Maybe it's something like that or just emailing with a staff member. Uh, maybe you've been coming a little longer or you've just come to that point in your life where you realize, hey, I, I'm ready to be baptized and we would love to baptize you because baptism is you saying, Jesus, I choose you and I wanna show everyone else God, that Jesus is who I want to follow. So whatever that next step is, I encourage you to take that as we wrap up the message today. We love next steps at RCC. It's it's literally why we exist. So I'd ask you one last time, where is your faith? And where would you want your faith? Like John Ortberg, are you ready to seek out the deeper things in life? Let's pray together. Lord God, what what a gift, um, what a gift to have this venue of of video, um, specifically at this moment, to share together in this crazy online chat, um, in in a community that's digital currently, uh, that you have allowed us uh, the tools to get connected even when we know we can't be connected in person currently God I pray for those who are watching that wherever they are in their life um, maybe their life is falling apart and I know there are some watching whose life is falling apart and they say yeah it's bad but I do have Jesus to lean on And, and and though it seems crazy to some there's hope and there's solace in knowing you and your promises no matter what's going on around us. So I pray strength, I pray endurance, and and I pray boldness for people to take a next step. Again, if that's baptism, amazing. If that's just signing up to, to talk to someone, that's great too. God, we pray today that in one way or another, we take one step towards you because you, you meet us when we step towards you. Now thank you for this day and this time we have together. It is in Jesus' name that we pray.